Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, So whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well... What better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're talking cutting the financial umbilical cord with Bobby Ravel. So I know that may have been a graphic title for folks. It'll make a lot of sense here in a minute. But uh, Bobby Rebel, she is joining us today on the podcast. And we're going we're to be talking about how you can avoid screwing up your kid's relationship with money. And even if you don't have kids, right? Maybe you are younger yourself. Maybe you're a Gen Z or a younger millennial. I think today's conversation will do a great job shedding some light on why you think and why you feel the way you do about your personal finances. Um, but Bobby Rebel, she's a certified financial planner. She's host of Money Tips for Financial Grownups podcast. And she's also the author of launching financial grownups. Uh, you know, the book is a call to action for parents who want the best for their kids, but are beginning to realize that their own pursuit of financial independence and financial separation from their children, it's got to become a priority as well. And so we're excited to talk about all of that and more today. Bobby, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Bobby, we're glad to have you. Of course, we ask every guest the same initial question about what their splurge is. Matt and I, we splurge on craft beer, but we want to know what's your splurge, what's your craft beer equivalent? 
Well, so this has changed a lot. And we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but it changes as you get older. And I think that my splurge when I was Mm -hmm. younger might have been a beverage, but I am now full on middle-aged. As everyone knows, I have children that are young adults. And so you start to have different priorities. And we we bought an apartment, my husband and I, about 15 years ago. And it was sort of an original condition situation because that's what we could afford. And you say you're going to get to things. And then, as I said, Mm -hmm. it's been 15 years. And so... (laughs) So we are finally splurging on, I hate to say this, but it is true, the bathroom of our dreams. And it is coming together beautifully as we speak. I am in an alternate location to record this, not my home. Um, But it has really exciting things, guys. It has like a heated towel bar. Did you know oh, you that fancy, was a thing? Bobby. You that fancy. sounds oh, this pretty is, awesome. This is where you asked about splurge. I mean, this is the middle-aged splurge, guys. This is where it's headed when you get past the beer and the champagne and the Cosmos <laughs> and all that stuff. Cosmos, I've dated myself as a Gen Xer. But this is where it's headed, people. And yeah, I mean, so I've got the towel warmer and we've got a rain shower. I've got a little built-in makeup, um, makeup area. And then my husband, this is like the real dream. This is for you middle-aged men. This is what you're probably dreaming of. It's a really fancy toilet. I don't know what it does, but my husband's really excited about it. I'm going to have to watch some YouTube videos to learn how to work it because it's got like a remote control. It's got all kinds of stuff. Okay. It if like it's got a remote, then it's a, it's a bidet. It's bananas. It's, I don't know what it is, but he's really excited about it. Okay. And so that is our splurge. It's on updating our home, but very specifically... The bathroom. The bathroom. The bathroom. It reminds me of my, the, our splurge. Yes. I went to China like 10 years ago, and I just remember the thing that sticks out in my mind from that trip was all the fancy toilets I saw. I was like, I've never seen toilets yeah. like these before. So <laughs> Yeah, you don't realize like what's out there. Cause the, so the apartment we're in, the bathroom was built, I think, 42 years ago. Is it's you know original to the building and it's you know there were literally construction problems. I mean there was leaking and all kinds of we had to do something. And I just said I don't want to cheap out on it. I was like you know what it's been 15 years. We are living here. We're raising our family here, and I'm tired of having this you know crumbling, outdated mess. Mm. And so that's the splurge. As we're talking about history, I'm thinking about 42 years worth of history, you know, of, of folks who used your bathroom before you did. But we didn't need to go there. Let's also not go down that graphic <laughs> path uh, as well. But we, I wanted to talk about your personal history because your dad. He, he worked on yeah. Wall Street when you were growing up, mm-hmm. right? How did that specifically influence you? And, you know, like, what were the, the conversations just around the dinner table like with him as you were growing up? Well, thank you for asking that. Yeah. And the book, by the way, is dedicated to my dad. And it's been very interesting seeing his reaction to the book and to sort of what I took away from the lessons that he taught me growing up, that he wasn't as deliberate as I think I am in terms of teaching my children. And so he's like, yeah, I did do that. That was smart. So that's always interesting. But he, <laughs> he started out. So he, look, he, he, it was a different era. My mother didn't really have a career until she went back to law school when I was um, in middle school. My father, so it was a, you know, she was a homemaker and my dad was, he had gone to school to be a lawyer. And what's interesting is he figured out as a lawyer that he was doing these deals and he kind of figured out that he was being paid hourly and the bankers on the other side of the deal were being paid by the deal. And so he said, well, I want to kind of do the same thing, but I want to sit on the other side of the table so I can get paid by the deal. And that really informed how he 
ended up being successful on Wall Street. He he was able to kind of make that switch from being a lawyer to investment banking. And it taught me that if you want to do something, find the area of it that maybe is a little bit more lucrative. So I am a journalist, and I originally thought I would do local news. I wanted to do television. But I realized, and my father helped me realize this, it's in the book a little bit, um, that if I did business news, and financial news, economic stories, that would pay more. And also, it would give me the lifestyle that I wanted because it was somewhat more regular hours. I still have worked quite a few overnights in my day, but it would allow me to live in New York City near my family. I grew up in suburban New Jersey, and it would give me a corporate job with benefits, which was very important to me at the time. So sort of Hmm. looking at your goals, but finding the niche that makes sense with where you want to be in life is something really important that he taught me. That's great. Yeah, it sounds like he he was kind of pushing you in a direction. Was there any resistance on on your on your behalf, or or were you kind of like, sure, Dad, that sounds great. Um, like, what, what were those conversations like between the two of you? Oh my gosh, this is such a good question because my dad and I are talking about this now because he <laughs> remembers it very differently. Um, he really wanted me to work on Wall Street, and so the compromise when I was in college was that I would. Instead of doing an internship at gen- in general news, I would work in financial news. I actually had an internship at CNN where I did volunteer to go on overnights because I was a little nuts at the time. <laughs> but um, well, that's where I could get a lot of experience because sure. they needed people more. So you know, it, it made sense except to anyone except for me. Hey, I started I out in radio for free at three on the morning. morning show. I know what I know what that's like. Yeah, but that's where you get your start, and that's where you can really make a lot of headway very quickly. So his idea was that I would learn about Wall Street. And I would meet all of these people that, you know, work on Wall Street in actual Wall Street jobs, not journalism, through all the guests that would come through CNN. And then I would go work on Wall Street in a job, not not be a journalist. And so that part didn't work out. And he sort of denies that. He says, oh, I was always supportive of journalism. I never said you should do that. That's not true. Let me tell you guys. I got a CFP in 2017, and he... Even then in 2017 said, oh, are you making a career pivot? Are you going to go work on Wall Street? And that was five years ago, guys. So, <laughs> you know, it's a compromise. And, and that, that goes to the point of the book that you can't make your kids something they're not going to be. You can guide them. You can tell them how it's going to play out. But there's only so much you can do. They are not you. They are your mm-hmm. children. And so they'll have a lot of your characteristics, but they're going to live their own life. That's right. Yeah. Well, speaking of kids, raising financial grownups, that doesn't happen all at once. It doesn't happen like you can't just flip a switch like uh, in their senior year of high school or something like that. Uh, and so as kids are younger, like talk to us some about the, the some of the different tactics you took uh, when your kids when they were younger, maybe in hopes that some of those lessons would actually stick. Uh, which is, you know, you've got a, a history, you've got a background covering <laughs> finances. What did it look like for you raising younger kids? I think it's important to make it part of the everyday conversation and not separate it as sort of a lesson per se. So for example, if you go to the doctor, depending on what age they are, what's appropriate, you might start talking to them about how health insurance works when you hand over the card, or even if it's a virtual card, you know, show them on your phone what's going on. Well, I'm giving them insurance information. They may not fully register what insurance is, but you can explain high concept that this is in case something really bad happens, we mm-hmm. only have to pay part of it. You can, you know, sort of 
gradually drip that in. I tell the story of I had to go to the doctor with my son and it was December and he was about 10 years old and he could understand at that point and he sort of gave me the eye roll, which you get, you will get that. (laughs) When I started telling him, well, I'm not stressed out about how much this is going to cost because we already met our deductible. It's December. Thank God this didn't happen in January, right? So you can sort of say those things and they might not get 100% of what you're talking about, but over time, it will start to sink in and they Mm -hmm. probably will know more than you realize if you just take those moments. What's your take on maybe some of some of the other ways that a parent can kind of help their kid understand the value of a dollar? I just I don't know. It makes me think back to when I was a kid. My parents would have like strict limits on certain items, like what they would pay for. So, for instance, I always wanted the hot new basketball shoes. I wanted the Scotty Pippins or whatever, and they were really expensive. They're like 150 bucks. And my parents were like, "Listen, our cap is 40 bucks or 50 bucks. It's like 300 dollars in today's, in today's <laughs> exactly. money. Exactly. <laughs> With inflation, those shoes are like four times as much. But uh, but so yeah, my parents would always set a limit and then if I really wanted that thing I would have to save up my money and I would have to have some skin in the game yeah what do you think about like those kinds of tactics or are there things along those lines that you think can can help kids understand the value of money as you know as they're growing up I think that's the perfect way to teach them and what has happened in my own experience is sometimes maybe when they have to save their own money for it, they make adjustments in terms of what they want. So even right. now we're planning a family vacation and my 25 year old said, Oh, let's get this upgraded package on the cruise ship. We're going, we're going to cruise <laughs> to Alaska. And, you know, and she's a good little shopper. You know, she tried to talk us into the trip. She's like, Oh, dad can get the senior discount. I'm like, uh, okay, hold up there. I don't know if we want to tell him that one, but, um, you know, they're like, let's get the upgraded beverage, you know, package. And I said, no, we're not doing that, but you and your boyfriend, you guys can do that if that's something important to you. And, and they haven't. So it works at <laughs> all ages. It works for anybody, no matter what's going on. If you give them skin in the game, they may, they yep. may still skin want it, and that's fine. They're going to work for it. But, you know their perception may change when it's their own money. Even if they do spend it, they'll appreciate it so much more. And that's just human. If we're just, you know, if we have something, you know, you talk about as you go through life stages and maybe you can afford more and we have lifestyle creep, a purchase that would have, you know, been devastating to you or really something you would have really priced out now may not be so significant. And so you take it for granted. You don't value it as much as we go through life. And we can, if if we hopefully have more and more money, we can afford it more. It doesn't pinch us as much. We often don't even appreciate it as much as we might have beforehand. Yeah. It's those everyday sort of things. Like it just makes me think recently we were at a, a local farmer's market on a Saturday morning. There was a, a like a rocks and gems vendor there. You know what I'm talking about? Like the guys that sell <laughs> mm-hmm. like the, oh, yeah. the, you know, the polished rocks <laughs> basically. And all of our girl, all, all three of our girls wanted to get something. And our oldest daughter, she dropped like 17 bucks, uh, which for some rocks, to me, that seems like a lot of money, but you know, we're like, you know what, you can totally get this, but this is going to come out of your money. And you know, we, we covered it there on the spot because we weren't expecting them to, bu- to buy anything at the farmer's market. But when we got home, she went ahead and you know, we, we exchanged the money and those small little touch points along the way, just like you said, kind of like those everyday conversations, I think can go a long way, even if they don't completely stick in the moment. We're kind of like building up a repository of experiences and information in them. So as we're talking about 
just how we parent. Like we've all heard of the term helicopter parenting. I feel like that's been going on for like a decade or two. <laughs> right? Uh, Are you guys helicopter parents? N- oh, I'm like the opposite. No, no way. <laughs> I don't no. even talk to my kids, <laughs> Bobby. So it's that's yeah. <laughs> I tend to be more on the like the other uh, like the the free range kind of spectrum. Uh, but like you've also heard about like the snowplow parenting style yeah. as well. All of these are kind of a little more in vogue. But what is your take? Is there a better approach when it comes to how it is that we teach our kids? You know, not just life lessons, but specifically money lessons. So this is so much the inspiration of the book. So I'm glad that you brought it up. And and when the kids get older, you know, you can move into what I like to refer to as concierge parenting, where you're sort of available at all times <laughs> to solve their problems, often with money. So it's something mm. that can really get expensive as the kids get older. So it's important to just have that sort of give yourself a little check in and and say, does my kid really need me to do this? What would happen if I just let it play out and I observed? Mm-hmm. rather than get involved. And it's really hard because sometimes it won't go well. I try to have, I have a 14 year old and I'll say to him, well, I want you to schedule a once a week um, check-in extra help with your math teacher. And I'm not gonna schedule it. I want you to schedule it and you to CC me on the email. And it doesn't happen so fast. And I have to kind of ask him three or four times, but I do that rather than setting it up myself. Um, so it's sort of, you're, it. you're there and supporting them, but you're still, you know, I, I joke about that, make them press the keys on the keyboard. You know, that that really matters because it would be much easier if I sent it and CC'd him. But it's mm. really important that he learn to engage directly with his teachers at this age. He's in eighth grade. So at this age, it's age appropriate for him to set up the appointment directly with his teachers and to have that ownership and to show up and to not be waiting for me to remind him. It depends on not only the age, but where your child is in terms of their emotional maturity and where they're at in their growth cycle. And that's also really important is that every kid is different at different ages and will be a very different person. Even if you have multiple children, trust me, totally different personalities in almost Mm. every case. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes me think like I have a two and a half year old right now and I'm going to sound like a terrible parent here, but he (laughs) he has has fallen off the trampoline twice. Uh, And and so- yeah, he's he's been it fine, happens. and, and, and he's, I think he's learned a lesson from it. But it's one of those things where <laughs> where um, when he's younger, let's say even if he was a little bit younger than that, like I would have to be right there the whole time to make sure that didn't happen. And then it was like, okay, he's with the sisters on there. He's two and a half. I think I can I can uh, go sit on the porch and watch. And then it was like, wait, maybe I maybe I can't yet. Uh, but, but you're kind of there's that you're like delving into birth order territory now. Right? <laughs> right, <laughs> like, yeah. It's like that would have never have happened to your firstborn. That's true. <laughs> but there's a learning experience too as you get to see like you you get a little bit further away. And you're like, can they handle this? Totally. And then maybe you uh-huh. got to jet back in for a little bit. But then, yeah, you can push back out because now they've learned their lesson. But I, I want to move beyond parenting styles too, Bobby. I want to ask you, um, h- how do you handle discussing generational differences? Because, you know, Gen Zers, young millennials, they have different wants and desires than their, than their typically Gen X parents. And so how do you help without trying to necessarily get them to adopt all of your personal values or, or the completely buy into the way you view everything? So full disclosure, this is something I have way too much experience with. As an example, and I talk about this in the book, my stepdaughter, who's 25, during the pandemic, she decided that even though she was living at home saving for an apartment that was something she wanted to do since she was 13 years old, she and her boyfriend were going to get season passes for Disney World. We live in New York City. Disney World's in Florida. There's a pandemic. <laughs> wow. And this is where my financially responsible child, right, is spending. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. 
So that all that now would I have understood if she said I need a work wardrobe, you know, let's say we weren't all home, whatever, I would have totally understood that, right? She didn't care about that stuff. So she basically Hmm. took my old clothes. I used to be a TV anchor. She just took that clothing. She's like, I'm good to go. I don't want to buy I don't want to spend my money on clothing. I'm not interested. I'll take your old purses. Good to go doesn't care but she really cares about those experiences and Mm. having those season passes and that was really hard and actually the epilogue of the book is Ashley defending the 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 season passes to Disney (laughs) World because it became I was mortified I mean I'm like you got to be kidding me I would never do that ever ever forget about the pandemic forget about having other financial priorities I just wouldn't do that we don't live in Florida but for her it made total sense because a lot of people, you know, she's sort of on the borderline millennial um, Gen Z. A lot of people, you know, that's that's what they value in the generation is that that's where she's going to be vacationing and having that experience. That's what she loves to do. So that's her financial priority. And I've had a really hard time accepting that. So it's important to just listen to them and let it be. Hmm. Don't yes. get in there and mix in. It's so- their money. It's right. their money, and you have to let them do stuff, even if you just don't understand. I don't understand to this day. <laughs> I read the epilogue. I get it, sort of, but I would never do that. It still feels like a foreign concept to you, and, and how she's spending yeah. her money, right? And so, so that, obviously, that's one as like that's one aspect of money is is how you spend it. Like, do you see a difference in how she approaches? other aspects of, of personal finances, like whether that's in how she earns her money, how she just her attitude towards it in general, or maybe even how she invests her money? Absolutely. Um, now, I think she has been influenced by me to some degree when you have a mom that's doing this or a stepmom. Right. But she is, you know, she's very focused on her career first before getting married and having kids. She's really made financial stability and security a priority for her. And she's very intentional in her career. She originally wanted to be a teacher. And when she looked at the upside economics, which some teachers are actually paid pretty well. You can make a very solid living as a teacher in many areas these days, but the upside is generally limited. And she looked at her other skill set. And she's very good. I hate to say this, but she can really hack computers really well. She's dangerous. (laughs) Um, But what's the upside of that, right? Let's use that skill for good. So she works as um, a cybersecurity consultant. And she's already she's white hat hacker. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, she's already been she's been um, at her at a consulting firm for a few years. She gets recruited by other companies. We'll see how it evolves. But I think she'll be out earning all of us very soon. The way things are going. So she really thought about her doing something that she was good at and passionate about, but also really thinking about the ability for her to fund the lifestyle she wants. Mm -hmm. And she really is very interested in travel and experiences. And that is something very native to her generation. super smart. So I think that approach is is unique. I don't think I gave my career as much thought in terms of the finances, despite my father's frustrations. (laughs) Well, I think that's good. I think, too, a a way to approach that conversation is to not maybe shut down their idea of what they want to do, but to say, well, like, here's the way, here's here are the gifts you use in that profession. And here are other professions that might interest you. And that kind of spurs a conversation conversation as opposed to being like, no, 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 I want you to do what I want you to do. And that shuts everything down. Um, but Bobby, we've got some more questions we want to get to, including just some milestone shifts that have really taken place and how it's understandable maybe that folks in the younger generation think about money and responsibility a little bit differently. We'll get to some, some uh, topics on that right after this.
When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach. Do. Every single summer, we've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. All right, we're back from the break and we're talking with Bobby Rebel. Joel, you just teased 
about uh, like the, the milestone shifts, right? right? And so we're going to kind of talk about teens here in general. But but Bobby, you know, you say that things like that they really are different for uh, the the upcoming generations. Things like being able to stay on their parents' health insurance until the age of twenty six, like that's the uh, an example. But how should parents think about what feels like a slower transition into adulthood uh, that seems to be happening more these days? So I really like to look at the positive of this, and there is so much positive happening. So for example, the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, as you mentioned, it allows kids to stay on our our insurance until 26, although I wanna say the caveat, because it's a money show, that's not always true for eye and dental, so please check your plan. But it gives them the freedom to explore without that pressure. I mean, I remember, I, you know, in theory, I look back, I wish I'd taken a year off, a gap year after graduating from college, but I felt pressured to get a job right away. And one of those pressures is that you want those corporate benefits. So it's really wonderful that this generation doesn't have that kind of pressure. The downside, of course, is that a lot of companies don't then feel their pressure to provide that as a priority for young people when they're recruiting them. They can keep people on as contractors. They can in, you know, they can put kids in sort of a gig economy situation when that's not their choice. But the upside also is, for example, if you have a kid that wants to start their own business, they can stay on your health insurance. That's a huge benefit to give them some breathing room to do that. We also don't have the stigma that we had for Gen Xers, where if we lived at home after graduation, we were kind of labeled as slackers. That's no longer the case. Now, I think it's perceived as being smart. We have much closer relationships with our kids in large part because of technology. When I was dropped off at college, I had a computer, but that was sort of a new thing to have my own computer. And I certainly wasn't emailing. We didn't have email to our parents and we did not have texting or FaceTime or any of that. So you kind of had to figure it out when you were at college on your own or with your roommates and bond with them and really be immersed in, in that experience. Now the ties to your parents are much stronger There's a lot of good that comes from that, but you also have a lot of kids at college asking their parents constantly for help in things that maybe they would just figure out on their own if they didn't have that option. So there's a delicate balance there. I like to think of it as more positive than negative, but we also have to be aware that it allows for this extended period of adolescence, which can really go well past college in many cases. So basically, they're, they're like tools that you can use to can continue to build a healthy relationship with your kid as they as they leave the nest, as they grow into young adulthood. But it can also maybe be some sort of, it, it can be a crutch um, that you lean on in your relationship or that your child maybe is too dependent on you. So you probably have to create good boundaries and, and rules surrounding how you interact um, you, you know, when you're apart. Would you, is that what you'd, what you'd say? You're 100% correct. And and also what's happened is a lot of Gen Xers are reactive to the fact that when we grew up, we did not have a lot of supervision at home. We joked that we were the latchkey kids. We were just sort of sent out to play outside. And we were Good expected luck, to be back kind of when it got <laughs> See dark. in a few hours. Yeah. I, mean, you know, and I, I said to my little brother the other day, I said, you know, my, you know, the youngest of our children is going to be in, in college in five years. So I feel like in five years, we can take sort of, you know, alone trips with just my husband and I, you know, without having to worry about, you know, really, it's tough to have someone watch him for an extended period of time because you, you want someone who's sort of involved because it's high school coming up and all that. And I, I said, well, how did our mom and dad do that? Because I remember them doing that at much younger ages. My mom passed away at 62. So this was happening in her you know, 40s and 50s that they were doing. They did epic trips and travel. And my brother said, they just left us alone. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, 
We were alone. We didn't have I cooked for you. <laughs> Our aunt lived down the block. Like Okay. We, hey, look how you, you know, turned and out, it's Bobby. So bizarre. Right. But 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 the reaction is that we overparent our kids because mm. we feel yeah. that we don't want that for them. So we, you know, even the dads and again, so much good. Overall, good, good, good. Dads are so much more involved. I mean, think how many parents, let's be honest here, guys. How many parents do you know, not by their full name, or you don't even know their profession, you just know they're Johnny's dad? That's right. John's yeah, mom. For sure. Right? That's a lot you of them. literally <laughs> could not tell, you couldn't say three sentences about them, about like anything beyond their kid. Right? Is, our identities true. are it's so telling. tied to our children. And so it's really hard for us to let go in the same way. And we have a much more informal relationship with our children. Again, so good great stuff. They feel so much more comfortable coming to us with problems. They're including us in finding solutions, but we just have to make sure that we let them know that we believe in them, that they can also solve them mm. themselves. We're there for them. Right. We're there. We'll chat it out with them. We'll, we'll, you know, go through different ideas, but we can't, especially with money, we have to stop writing checks to solve the problem. We can right. contribute, we can help, we can present ideas, but we can't just, you know, like I said, with the concierge parenting, we can't just whip out the checkbook and, you know, it's yeah. like if you have while a kid the, doing Girl Scouts, you can't just, <laughs> don't just buy all the cookies. While they're off at college, yeah. it's like, can I, can I get you some new towels? Yeah. Uh, I, can, I can just show up and drop those off at your apartment door. Well, that is okay. not what you're looking to do. Yeah, all kidding aside, yes, you could just go on Amazon and have towels delivered. Yeah, you could do that. Yeah, you could. (laughs) But but at at what cost? You know, what kind of damage might you be be causing? Uh, And you know, kind of probably not that bad if you said them towels, though. It's right, right, right. (laughs) The towels won't kill them. But but it's the idea. It's all the little things, though. I got to think, right? It's it's not that like, oh, is there anything wrong with the towels, or oh, is there anything wrong with uh, a certain amount of money trickling in every week, or or something like that? But like you said, I I think it it truly is going back to what you said before the break. I think. I think it is sort of those everyday conversations that that have a, a, a big impact on them over time. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you're kind of talking about kids off at college. I wanted to get your, your thoughts on 529 plans, because mm-hmm. obviously there's a lot of positive things that can be said about them. But are many parents prioritizing the ability to help their kids pay for college to the detriment of their own retirement? Uh, I feel like that's yes. something that we've seen. And I'd like to hear you talk about that. Yes, not only prioritizing college, but just prioritizing subsidizing their kids' life and what they need at ages that it's not really as necessary as they take it upon themselves. In other words, they'll often subsidize their child without the child asking. And this is, you know, going beyond just funding college, but they're often tempted to just pay for things because they want to be there for their kid and they love them so much. It's all coming from a good place and they want to know that they're, they want their kids to feel secure and taken care of. And again, it's tough to cut that tie when you're so, your identity is so tied to your child, but it absolutely can come at the detriment of our own retirement. And that's a lot of what prompted me to write this book because ultimately, if you are so busy subsidizing your child's life, especially when they can or should be doing it themselves, funding their own life, it is a real specific danger. And there's statistics mm. in the book, I don't wanna misquote it, but I, I think it's about 70% of parents, according to Bankrate, I don't, I don't wanna misquote it, you know, will, will take money from their own personal savings to help their adult child. It, it's just too much. And, and, and when you get to that point, what I would urge parents to do is think carefully, how would you feel if your child had to support you? in your retirement, if you had to ask your kid for money. 
Number one, if you haven't set them up to be financial grownups, they might not be able to, but let's pretend that they are okay. You just don't wanna do that, especially when you're in retirement and they're probably in the clutch years where they've got little kids running around and they wanna save for college for their kids, right? You don't wanna be asking your kids that. So it's important to prioritize your own, you know, it's sort of like the airline with the put your oxygen mask on first. If you don't take care of your retirement first, how are you gonna be there for your kids and how are you gonna not ask them for money later on? So it's really important to be tuned into what you can afford and making sure that if you weren't there, they can take care of, at the very least, themselves. And if something tragic and unexpected happened, that they could take care of you. And that's something that happened in COVID. Some kids had to take care of their parents. So it's really just smart money management to make sure your kids can step up. You hope they never have to, but in a pinch, Make sure they have the financial education and the, you know, the security, the foundation to to be there for you. But we hope that never happens. Honestly. Right. I mean, but yeah, because in the moment, it seems like a noble cause, right? To say that, yeah. like, of course, I would draw from my own retirement. Of course, we would tap into our own nest egg in order to support to support our kids. But what you're saying is to kind of look down the road and look at what the natural outcome of that might be. And just like you said, that might mean you not having enough for yourself and then the tables are turned. And there's a longer term burden that's placed on your kids. If you, Mm -hmm. if, if you put the, uh, the, the priority in the wrong place. And if you put the priority more on helping them in the here and now than on making sure you're doing the right thing for yourself by put, <laughs> continuing to sock money away inside of those retirement accounts. Um, and if you're instead siphoning some of that away to support your your uh, your young adult child, then that could essentially put them um, in, a, in a difficult spot later yeah. on in their life when they're you know in their career, having young kids, all that kind of stuff. And give them credit for being able to take care of themselves at, you know, whatever age is appropriate for them. I had a friend that shared with me that she found out in her 40s that her father, who was like, I think in his 70s by then, had finally finished paying off her student loans. Now, she didn't even know that he was still paying them. She had paid off her portion and he never said a word. And somehow it came out that he had made the last payment and she was mortified because all these years she was kind of gallivanting around living her life. Not not ridiculously, but she you know she had no stress about student loan debt, and she could have paid that, and she had no idea, and she was so sad that he had spent so much of his life paying off her student debt, and she had no idea. So be transparent with your kids and let them know if you have financial stress that maybe is not appropriate. Keep those communication lines open, especially if you have a very successful kid. Don't be subsidizing them when they don't need it. You right. know. How do you think we should view boomerang kids? Because COVID obviously has, has kind of had an impact on this. More more young adults who are in college coming back to the house. Had to come back to the house. Had to. Like, they couldn't stay <laughs> yeah. in their college dorm anymore, yeah. right? And so that even, you know, we talked about the, the in health insurance, the Affordable Care Act, and how that's impacted things. But, but even just the pandemic has impacted how we view uh, young adults moving back into the house. But how do you think parents should view this? Should they let their kids move back in after they graduate, before they launch all the way? Like, what do you think about a soft landing spot for a, a period of time versus enabling your kid and letting them live in the basement for the next decade? Okay, remove the for the next decade part. And other than that, I love it. <laughs> okay. I think it's I think it's it's wonderful. I really do. I think it's wonderful that we have these evolved relationships with our children in, in our generation for the most part and that we can be a resource, especially when, you know, having a kid live at home often doesn't really cost anything out of pocket. I mean, I we we had that with Ashley and we're gonna have that. My stepson's graduating um, in a couple months and we we are insisting that he move home and sock away a lot of money for I hope 
hope at least a year, because I think that's a wonderful gift to give to your child if that's something they also want. I don't know that you want to force them if they want to go work in a different city, if they have a different opportunity, of course, that is fine. But I love that the stigma has gone away. I love that this whole idea of being perceived as a slacker is no longer the norm because we can give our kids a head start in that way. And life is hard enough. I talk in the book about, you know, if you have people you can introduce your kids to, do it. Make sure they're ready and they're going to follow up, but make connections. Help them out. There's an example of the guy who's, he's now, his name's Jason Pfeiffer. He's, um, he runs Entrepreneur Magazine. And he talks about the fact that when he got this opportunity to move from, I believe they were in Florida, to move for a new job to New York City, and he really didn't have the resources to pay for the move and initially for the apartment, his parents helped him because it helped him take that better job, right? And they gradually pulled away the support as he was able to stand more and more on his own. But we should absolutely help tee up our kids for success if we have the resources and generally letting them live at home for a defined period of time with a specific goal and a specific exit strategy can be a wonderful gift to give to our kids. I like that. And then when you're, when you're getting towards that defined, the end of that period of time, that's, yeah, that's the key word. Defined. Maybe make it a little yes. a little more prickly. <laughs> so you don't that have to make it that comfortable. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, don't 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 make it too comfortable. Don't like you know f- give them TV dinners every night or whatever. But uh, as a, no. you know, it could it could be a, a lovely well, situation. My they parents can let do me the laundry. Right. <laughs> my parents let me move back in for like five or six months. Uh, at this one point, I was I was already in my career, and um, you know my my roommate was leaving, and it was a great place to land until I bought my first house. And so I really appreciate the fact that I was back for for those for that time. We had a nice time together, but it was also like, all right, how long are you here? And when are you when are you going? And I appreciate that they kind of had that attitude too. Well, but I, I think it's good to talk about it. Sort of like I mean hopefully that's an yeah. actual conversation they had as opposed to just making it undesirable to live there. <laughs> right. <laughs> like right. like just, hopefully, yeah. just glaring hopefully at it's me. not like <laughs> passive aggressive and it's just like, all right, hey, because there's a part of me that pushes back a little bit because I'm like, well I think I totally am going to enjoy it, and I would enjoy having kids come back because I'm like, oh man, this is this this was time yeah. I wasn't necessarily expecting, and this is awesome, and we can kind of be adults together as opposed to me feeling like I'm your telling you exactly what to do, or in older later years, you know, in their teens, kind of like you know acting as like a coach. But even still, I, I feel like I would want to say, all right, hey, just so you know, rents few hundred bucks, <laughs> yeah. uh, like like a very small amount, but just so that there's, like you said earlier, that there, there so that they have some skin in the game. Yeah. Because yeah. in the same way, if we, if I would have bought my daughter those polished rocks and just be like, mm-hmm. hey, that you know that that's on us. She she doesn't have any skin in the game. Yeah, and and this can work even in the in sort of the quote middle of life. I was I got divorced at 29, 30 years old, and I moved home not for even economic reasons. I just needed to be with my parents, and I ended up. I thought I'd be there a couple months. I ended up being there for a year while I was sort of figuring out where I wanted to be, and it was a really special time because I got to know my parents as an adult in a very yeah. different way. And I think a That's lot of cool. people had that experience during the pandemic where they were moving home just because they wanted to be with their parents. It was a universal thing. It wasn't like they had a personal career, you know, fail out or something or something bad had happened. Well, something bad happened, but to all of us. And right. so it can be a really wonderful way to create a different kind of relationship that evolves on a different level because you're both adults, still a parent child, but you can see them very differently. And you can also, by the way, it's a great opportunity. And many people had this during the pandemic to have more 
candid and specific conversations about estate planning, if that's something relevant to your family and sort of their wishes and and understanding your parents' goals and seeing them as humans. Because we don't always see our parents as actual humans. We just Hmm. see them in the context of relating to us. We don't always understand their life. And, And I think that's always interesting to hear too. Yeah, let's talk more about that relational dynamic and kind of how you have these money conversations as your kids do leave leave the nest, fly the coop and and kind of, you know, have their own place and, and begin to build their own lives. We'll talk more about that with you, Bobby, when we get back from this break. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app 
Monarch. They make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, we're back from the break talking with Bobby about kids, uh, kids and money. And Bobby, you know, I'm still thinking about sort of... There's there's a part of me that feels that I'm, where I'm trying to figure out if the responsibility like lies with the parents uh, or if it lies with the kids when it comes to maybe like an inability to launch. And and so, like, I mean, wh- like, why is it that you might think that it's more difficult these days for kids growing up to experience some sort of financial separation like from their parents? Is it is it because that we're being maybe too proactive in their lives? Because like you said, if it's mutual, then it can work out right. Like as a parent, you think you've got some more time with the kids. The kids are like, sweet. Don't have to pay for housing. I can save up that down payment. Uh, but obviously, if, if if the parents are maybe being too forward or if, if they're leaning into it too much, I feel like that that could be the problem. That, in fact, the problem lies with us as parents more than maybe it does with the kids. I think there's a lot to be said for that. I think we really should okay. be examining the way that we're parenting because we're parenting, you know, we're leading with love, which is great. But we also have to make sure that we you know, we're in the business of creating grownups, as Ron Lieber says in my right. book. He wrote he wrote a book called The Opposite of Spoiled. And he's like, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, parents are in the business of creating grownups. And so we have to kind of keep that top of mind all the time is what I'm doing, creating a grownup that can live a life independent of me, because ultimately we probably won't be there at some point in the future. And we also want to evolve our relationship with them to be a different kind of relationship where they are not dependent on us. And I joke in the book that it's perfectly fine to pay for dinner for your kids. It's perfectly fine to, you know, if you have a daughter and you want to go, well, men men can do this too. You want to go to a spa splurge or whatever, all that stuff, you know, this is the opposite of the, you know, the needs versus wants. Buy your kid the wants, but avoid the needs for your adult Mm. kid. Don't pay their rent, right? But, you know, if they're moving in, I mean, sure, we bought Ashley some furniture when she moved in. It's a one-time purchase. It's going to make her life more comfortable. We're happy to do that. But we don't pay her mortgage. We don't pay her ongoing maintenance. She takes care of those things, and we're not getting involved. And she's now buying a puppy, and it took a year and a half for her to get to the point where she could afford it. And we just observed you know, and we are obsessed with dogs. If anyone sees my Instagram, my social media, I am obsessed with my dog <laughs> Waffles. There's nothing I wanted more than a little playmate for Waffles. But we resisted. And we let her take her time. And she didn't ask for money. And I think that's really an important thing to remember that very often our children are not asking. We yeah. are giving. And there's a big difference. So wait for the ask. And if you get an ask, consider it. And Think carefully. I am in the business of raising a grown-up. Should I just give them the money or should I let them know that I believe in them 
and that I'm confident that they can figure out how to solve the problem themselves without my money. Maybe you make some contribution. It's not that you're going to cut them off. I don't think that's realistic. Um, we, jo- we joke about my um, my former podcast host, Joe Salcihai, who has Stacking Benjamins. His parents cut him off completely at 18. And the results were not good, guys. He <laughs> ran into all kinds of credit card debt. It was not good. So I don't think that people should Let's be honest. Do I know, that. Joe, the results are still not bad. that great. So yeah, yeah. mediocre at best. <laughs> it was not good. So I don't believe in cutting kids off, but I do think that you want to get them to a place where they're going to sort of exit themselves from dependence on you. And again, that doesn't mean that you can't subsidize them temporarily or create systems where if you are in a situation where they might one day inherit money, you want to teach them how to manage that money well. You don't want a kid to blow an inheritance. That might involve, you know, involving third-party people that maybe can be a little bit tougher. If you don't feel you can be the tough one and say, this is money that it's only for an emergency that you're going to inherit and you're never, you're not supposed to live on that money, maybe you get a third party involved if you don't feel that you want your Hmm. relationship to go that way. So it's important to think about that. If you have a kid that you know, not every kid is going to embrace this. So you might want to put up guardrails to know that they're going to have financial security in the future if you can set something up so that they have other people looking out for them if you're not there. Because I'd like to believe that every kid is going to step up and be able to take care of themselves and be financially responsible and be interested enough to learn to manage their money. But if we're being honest, not every kid will. Yeah, so I get it makes me think, especially as so your daughter, she's she's like really she's out on her own in so many ways now. Mm-hmm. How yeah, do you how do you crazy. continue to, to and I know right? Yeah, I'm sure you're you're still um, very vigilant. But how how do you continue to enter into money conversations with her? And how do you recommend people who have now grown kids? Uh, to, to kind of continue talking about money together, are you are you proactively asking questions about their levels of debt, savings, or or how their investing journey is going, or, or do you more like let them come to you? How do you uh, act as a coach still in that way, or at least like an interested observer without being overbearing as they are? Like, listen, mom, I've got this. I'm doing my own thing. Like, you don't need to worry. How how do you like? I don't know. Worry well, maybe. <laughs> worry well, <laughs> so, I think is a good way of saying it. <laughs> yeah. Again, well, first of all, again, I know I probably have said this many times, every kid is different, every circumstance is different, and you as a parent are going to be different from me as a parent. So with all that said, specifically because you asked about Ashley, what's fascinating is now she comes to me, and that's also partially because, you know, look, her her, her stepmom wrote this book, and she's in the book a lot, and she wrote the epilogue, so she feels very attached, and she comes to me proudly and will tell me things, you know, she's been very involved with the research for this puppy, Um, you know, understanding, I think she's paying a lot of money for it, but she did a lot of research about what is the appropriate amount to pay for this kind of dog and this setting and pricing the airline flights to get out there and transport the dog, all the stuff down to the vet bills and the vet, the insurance. So she's proactively telling me because she knows I'm going to be proud of her, you know, Mm -hmm. that she shopped around for the vet and she shopped around for this and, and so on. So in that, you know, when you get a kid who's motivated and interested and feel successful, they will likely start telling you what's going on. That. And she she even sends me like um, screen grabs of text from her friends, some of whom are not feeling successful financially, sort of asking her for advice or lamenting that they'll never be able to move out of their parents' house. And it's like, well, you know, you've been living at home for two and a half years, but you haven't saved anything. And if you're making a mm-hmm. reasonable salary and you have literally no overhead, 
Mm. You know, when you even got stimulus checks and all the stuff that's been going on in the pandemic, <laughs> what did you, do with your you were pressured money? to come go on. out. Like, come on, guys. Like, you uh. should have a nest egg, right? So she sort of gets, I don't want to say annoyed at her friends, but she sort of feels like they need to get it together. So she's she she's very appreciative, I think, of the fact that we pushed her. And it wasn't always easy. So I want people to know that it's not always easy. There were a lot of fights about that Disney thing. Um, <laughs> because I did disagree with it. But then like, again, this is dumb. you know. We've yeah. done stuff. Look, I, I bought an apartment at 23 and I promptly took out a home equity loan to pay for a Hamptons share. If that's worse than the Disney thing, let's be honest, right? I went into debt to go to the Hamptons. So we do mistakes. stuff. Probably, probably right, true. We course correct. I mean, that's the thing. We course correct. And, you know, if a kid isn't bringing stuff up to you, there's nothing wrong. There's always something happening in life. You know, look, people, you can talk to your kid about crypto and NFTs because that's something that they might be hearing about. Know that your kid is on, you know, whatever social media channels. And I'm drawing a blank now about my 14-year-old. Um, he's on, um, what's it called? But anyway, you know, go on the accounts. Even you don't have to even follow them, but just understand what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But he he has a whole understanding of different meme stocks and things like that because that's something that's talked about. Oh, Reddit, um, you know, they're on those things, so you can start conversations about what's going to be of interest to them. Like I love what you said specifically. He's still at home, and so there's there's a runway still ahead of you yeah. with your daughter Ashley. I love that you said that she she comes back to you and she talks yeah. about this. And what that points to is the fact that you have a healthy relationship with her. And had you not been working towards this uh, from maybe a, a fairly early age, th this is not something that you would have been able to achieve, right? Like, like sort of like we were saying earlier on, you can't just flip a switch. It's not yeah. like all of a sudden they're going to open up to you about their finances if that's not a part of your language, if that's not a part of your family culture. And so I think so much of this also just depends on you starting it early, it not being a massive deal this this big putting thing. in the hard work over years yeah it just takes well, some time and also make, making the kid know that you're proud of them that you know she feels successful she is successful and she's proud of it and so she's coming to me for that approval because she's successful and i think the biggest thing that parents need to do is let your kids know that you believe in them mm -hmm. that you know they can solve their problems you're there for them but give them that confidence in addition to the actual information which is super important of course in making sure that they are listening to the right information sources. So when I talk about Reddit, be careful there. You know, be careful where they're getting their information and ask them questions about that. But make sure that they know that you they got this. Yeah. They can mm -hmm. do it. No, I love it. The encouragement, the belief That's in important. your kids goes so far. It goes further than than you even realize. And so every time my mom or dad says they're proud of me, it, it even still at the ripe old age yeah. of 38, it <laughs> goes a long stinking way in motivating me and in making me feel like you're right, I can do it. So yeah, when your parents believe in you, the sky's the limit. Bobby, thank you so much for coming uh, on the show today, talking to us about raising financial grownups. And yeah, can you tell our audience more about where they can uh, find out what you're up to and they can find out about your new book? Yeah, so you can learn about launching financial grownups on my website, which is just my name, bobbyrebell.com. It's available all over the place, but you know, certainly you can pick it up on Amazon or or support your local bookstore. That's always a good thing to say, right, guys? Mm -hmm, and right. Um, please check out my podcast, which is Money Tips for Financial Grownups. And if you want gifts for the different adulting milestones in life, please check out grownupgear.com. How's that for a plug, right? Grownupgear uh, is, it. it's all kinds of cute stuff. It's aprons, hats, t-shirts. I even have baby gifts on there. So it's super cute, fun stuff that I'm having a lot of fun with. And um, 
yeah, grownupgear.com is super fun. Step one, get born. Uh. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and I I have ventured onto TikTok. So I'm on all the social channels, basically under my name. Instagram, there's a one after Bobby Rebel, but I'm on TikTok now. And so if you want to really see some cringy middle-aged content, go follow me on TikTok, right? (laughs) By the way, Bobby, when you get beer mugs, let us know too, because that's what we're into. Okay? Definitely. (laughs) Absolutely. 100%. All right, Bobby, thanks again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Bobby, thank you so much. Joel, what a... That was a fun conversation. You know, like when you start on the topic of talking about your kids, that's something I think that we could easily continue for a while. We've got plenty of kids. (laughs) A gaggle, I believe. To discuss. Yes. Uh, But uh, yeah, what were your big takeaways uh, from this episode here with Bobby Rebel? Okay, so I think my big takeaway was, and I love the way she put this, was that you should buy your kid the wants, not the needs. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to switch it up. Okay. I was thinking about <laughs> going towards that one. That, that was such a good one because it, yeah. was, it was a good rule of thumb that pointed out how we can find ways to, to you know, not necessarily to support our kids because support sounds like a need, but to kind of treat them or right. to kind of like lavish, you know, like gifts upon them because like that is how you, you show love. You don't necessarily pay for rent like that isn't a gift what is a gift a gift is a want it's something that you don't necessarily need but it's something that you might enjoy yeah exactly and i think like when my parents will will occasionally take me out to dinner or or emily's mom will come in town and she'll take us out or something like that and and to me that means so much it's just it's this way that they are taking care of us when they really don't have to and it's super sweet but it would feel very different if they were taking care of some of those basic monthly expenses or we were on their cell phone plan and we didn't pay our own way or th- those are those are things that would make me feel dependent as opposed to loved. And so I, I think that's a really, really good way to put it. If you can buy your kids some some of their wants on occasion, give them something special that's that, that they didn't even ask for. But when it comes to the needs, when it comes to those month to month obligations, that's where you want to kind of draw the line and you want to let them be in control as they get older. Awesome. I love that, dude. Uh, okay, so mine uh, that, that I am now switching uh, here at the last minute <laughs> was sort of came at the be- beginning of our conversation with Bobby. And she was talking about her dad and how she kind of recounted a lot of these things that he did uh, when she was growing up that he doesn't even remember. Uh, and I don't necessarily think it's because of old age. I think it's oftentimes there are things that we aren't very deliberate about. And I think it's safe to say that Bobby turned out pretty well. Uh, and so I take that as a lot of encouragement. Right. Like like we can oftentimes I think a lot of us can look back at our childhoods as we were raised and how we were taught or in this case, you know, in a lot of cases not taught about money. Yeah, we turned the out osmosis factor. Yeah, we, we, we turned out fine. And so I want this to be encouragement for a lot of folks, uh, because bottom line, if you are even thinking about it right now at all, I feel like that you are ahead of the game uh, and that you're going to be able to impart a lot of wisdom to your kid. Uh, and just don't forget that encouragement part. Right. Like yeah. that, that's that's one of the things that, that Bobby touched on there at the and just that encouragement, finding that way to build some of that confidence in your kid. Obviously, they can't do whatever they want. They, you know, they, they can't conquer the world. We don't want to plant these lofty ideas that truly are never going to happen, but to instill actual confidence within them because you have talked about some of these things over time. Sometimes all they need is just like a little pep talk yep. uh, so that they know that, they've, that they can handle it on their own. It goes a long way to yeah. believe in your kids and to be that little boost kind of pushing them from behind. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, means, it means a lot and it helps them go further. But all right, Matt, what was your uh, what were your thoughts on this beer today on the episode? We had a beer called Farm Friends. It was a collaboration by Jester King and New Image. It's like a peach wild ale. Mm-hmm. What, what are your thoughts on this one? 
Yeah, I might characterize it less as like a wild ale and, and, and definitely more as, as a sour. Like it definitely has that kind of tartness going on. In my mind, it, it has a little bit less of the funkiness, which oftentimes is how, you know, what I associate with wild ales. But I want to read some of the ingredients on here because what stood out to me is the fact that it says barn aged hops on here. <laughs> and I don't know if that's just for the brand. You know, like it, it, this beer is called Farm Friends. And were they thinking, all right, it's not just aged hops. We got to say that you are getting the actual barn hops. These hops slept with the sheep <laughs> and the cows. They're going to smell like horse blanket. <laughs> but uh, no, this was a nice sour beer, nice tartness uh, with, I would say, as uh, a couple guys from Georgia, it's a nice amount of peachiness yep. going on. Not too much because you don't want like over the top fruit sweetness going on, but just the right amount to lend it that flavor. I really enjoyed it. What were your thoughts? So, yeah, I, I would say light, peachy, refreshing. It had this kind of dry finish to it as well. So uh, I... I really enjoyed it because it did have the peaches going on. And like you said, we're from Georgia. We like peaches, of course. It's the peach date, baby. You got to. But uh, yeah, I thought this beer kind of had a lot of different things going for it. And it wasn't quite as intense as a lot of sour ales. It yeah. had just kind of a, a lightness to it, a freshness to it that I appreciated. It's probably probably the Barn Age Tops is what that is. But uh, <laughs> no, it was really tasty. I enjoyed it. It's those, those cold nights with the sheep. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but we will make sure to link to the different resources and sites that Bobby mentioned during our interview with her. And you can find all of those up on our website at howtomoney.com there within our show notes. That's right. And if you're still lagging the competition, you still haven't signed up for our How to Money email newsletter, make sure you go to howtomoney.com slash newsletter, sign up for that junk and get it in your inbox every Tuesday. You'll be glad you did. All right. That's going to do it for this episode, Matt. Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.